Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Oh, gee. Make some noise! Welcome to another edition of Inside Boxing Live. I'm your host, Dan Canobio. In this one, this episode coming up, we have a big one. We have uh, Kevin Ioli, Yahoo Sports. We'll get his thoughts on everything about Triple G Canelo, as well as the ESPN Plus deal, and what's upcoming with Vasil Lomachenko and Jorge Linares. We also have one of the greatest boxing promoters of all time. You know the name. Mr. Bob Arum joins us here on Inside Boxing Live, a wide-ranging interview about everything. You're not going to want to miss this one. Bob talks about the secret to his longevity and all that good stuff and more. Uh, this past weekend in the ring, we saw Triple G a step in there against uh, Vanes Motorosen. Uh, it was two rounds. It was violent and it was quick. As for uh, Vanes Motorosen, he came in there looking to win. He came in there a little overzealous. Uh, he actually outlanded Triple G six to five in the power department in round number one. Round number two, Triple G gets in there, closes the show, landing 11 of 15 power shots, takes him out. Afterwards in the ring, he's in there with Max Kellerman. He's talking about uh, uh, Canelo. He didn't say, I want Canelo in so many words. He said a lot of other things in there, but not anything about uh, Cinco de Mayo forever. <laughs> he dropped another great line, Cinco de Mayo forever. It did 1.3 million views on HBO. So it was a great weekend. Uh, as, great, as good as it can be for HBO. They salvaged the date with Triple G. He puts on a show, knocks out his guy. Upcoming this week weekend here at Madison Square Garden we're going to have Lomachenko and Linares back in the ring uh, Lomachenko regarded as one of the best pound for pound fighters today uh, it's flying under the radar a little bit I know this Canelo Triple G fight kind of sucked up uh, all the spotlight here but we got it we have a big fight on Saturday night and then H- it follows it up with HBO Saddam Ali in there with Jaime Mangia who's no walkover uh, we're going to get uh, Bob Arum's thoughts on uh, Vasil Lomachenko uh, if he thinks he is the greatest talent he's promoted since uh, Muhammad Ali. All that and more coming up next here, Inside Boxing Live. All right, our next guest here on Inside Boxing Live is the Yahoo Sports senior boxing writer and MMA. He's Kevin Ioli, but before we get to Kevin, I have to tell you about Jack Doyle's restaurant and bar. Jack Doyle's located on 35th and 7th Street, just a few steps away from Madison Square Garden. Uh, it's a huge bar. They got two floors. They got great drink specials. They got trivia night. They got uh, all the games are on there. I go there all the time. Uh, tell them that the Inside Boxing Live crew uh, sent you there. But then on Saturday night at Madison Square Garden, we have a huge fight uh, between uh, Basile Lomachenko, Jorge Linares that will be uh, in the ring. Kevin, you will be ringside. Thank you once again for joining us here on Inside Boxing Live. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Look forward to the fight on Saturday. That's a big one. But before we get to uh, Lomachenko and, and Linares, I want to talk about the fight that happened uh, this past weekend in uh, in uh, not in Las Vegas. I was wanted to, I wanted to say Las Vegas, but the fight uh, took place in uh, in California. Uh, Triple G. He got the win. He got a knockout. He has a new knockout streak. Uh, it now uh, is at one. Uh, he took out uh, Vanes Motorosian. Um, before we get into everything that happened afterwards between Max Kellerman and uh, Triple G. What did you think of uh, of Gennady's performance in there? He got the knockout, and he, he took out Montrosian. 
Yeah, you know, I mean, Mark Tarosian uh, fought a really dumb fight, you know, and I think he admitted that afterwards. Um, you know, I think Vonis would have lasted. Vonis is a is a good professional fighter. You know, he's not a superstar, but he's a solid fighter. And I think had he fought the right style of fight, you know, used his movement, used his jab, you know, try to stay away from Gennady, he, he would have lasted uh, for some time. Uh, but he stood in front of him, and, you know, the one thing that you do not do against the hardest puncher in boxing is stand right in front of him and try to exchange with him. And that was a, a doomed strategy from the beginning. So, you know, I thought Gennady looked good, did what he wanted to do, but uh, certainly Vonis made it easy for him uh, given the way he decided to fight. Now, Max Kellerman, afterwards, he does his post-fight interview, and he, and he talked to Triple G, and Triple G had some great one-liners. <laughs> I mean, he said Cinco de Mayo forever, and he had all the belts and all that stuff. But he talked about the fact that he saw, like, a new reckless, or not a new, but he kind of, like, brought back the old Triple G, uh, more reckless in there. And he feels like that if Triple G wants to get uh, knockouts, get another knockout streak going, he has to be willing to exchange or willing to take a few punches, and that was certainly the case on Saturday night, do you agree with that sentiment? Did you did we see a new Triple G, or is that the reason only because uh, he knew that he wasn't going to get much resistance uh, from uh, Marta Rosen? Well, you know, I, I think he fought the style of fight that he, you know his eyes lit up when he saw what Marta Rosen was trying to do. You know, I think if you would have talked to him in the locker room before the fight and he would have told you the truth, he would have said, "Hey, I think Marta Rosen's going to run. I'm going to have to cut off the ring." Back him down and and then you know then catch him and that that'll take some uh, some time. But Martirosian made it easy for him and so I think you know I think Max's comment uh, was based largely on uh, the two fights in 2017, uh, the Jacobs fight in March and then come back with uh, Canelo in September where both guys went the distance and. You know, I don't know that it's it's fair to say that he declined uh, and that he has to fight differently. I just think that those fighters, well, well, two things. You know, those fighters are, are better fighters than he's ever fought before. And you don't knock those elite guys out at the same kind of rate that you do other guys. So, you know, that was number one. But I think number two, both of those guys fought very cautious fights. You know, uh, Canelo in particular said, hey, I'm going to get in there and wing it, and we're going to give the fans a fight that they love. And, you know, Canelo certainly was not reckless in that fight, certainly not nearly as reckless as uh, as Juanis Martirosian was. And so, you know, Canelo, I don't want to say he fought to go the distance. I think he fought to win, but he certainly fought. He had a game plan to fight conservatively and to avoid Gennady's power, and it worked, and, and, he, and he fought well, even though I thought um, Gennady won that fight. Now, were you kind of surprised that Triple G kind of danced around the, the question when it was uh, broached to him about uh, Canelo and getting in there in September? You know, earlier in the week, he uh, said that maybe this fight has a 10% chance of happening with everything uh, that Canelo was going through and will continue to go through with the, with the drug testing. Were you surprised that, that Triple G kind of like kind of shrugged off the question? You know, he said he would fight him, but, you know, and I quizzed him at the post-fight press conference. I said, you told me on Wednesday that, you know, you put the uh, odds at 10% of fighting Canelo next. And he says, yeah, but everybody else is 5% or less. <laughs> so, you know, that was, I think, but I think he, he is legitimately angry and he believes that Canelo intentionally cheated, and he does not believe the hair follicle test result is definitive of anything. Um, and so I think as a result of that, you know, he is going to demand 
that Canelo sign quickly. You know, he's not going to let this negotiation, I do not believe, go on into June before they wrap it up because I think in his mind, he believes that Canelo is did intentionally cheat. And so he feels like if he allows the negotiations to go on a long time, then that's just going to give Canelo more time to do it again. And so in his mind, he's going to want a quick resolution to this. Hey, I'm willing to fight you. You know, we, we know what it's going to take. Let's get the deal done, and let's get you into the drug testing program. And as long as that happens, I think they will fight. But if you see the deal going on, I, I think Gennady has made clear his, his true feelings. And, you know, that would be the one thing that I would worry about if talks all of a sudden start dragging out. You know, Gennady at some point is going to pull the plug. Listen, we've seen it with Golden Boy, and we saw it with the first, uh, how they negotiated for the rematch this fight. It dragged on forever. I feel like it went on for months and months. And you bring up an interesting point about why uh, Gennady's going to want this fight to be signed tomorrow, and that's because he wants Canelo to get back under the VADA testing. Why isn't Canelo uh, enrolled right now in VADA testing? Don't you think that's something he should do to clear his name even more? I think everybody should do it, but I, I agree that right. he should do it. Canelo in particular should do this. I mean, you know, he's saying that he, he was innocent, that he ate contaminated beef, and that certainly is a possibility. I don't know whether he tried to cheat or not. You know, the two possibilities are he ate contaminated beef or he took a pill. Uh, clenbuterol is an oral pill. Uh, that he took a pill that he intentionally tried to cheat. Uh, Gennady will point out to you two things. He will say... Canelo was tested earlier in his fight camp than he had ever been tested before, and he had never been tested in Mexico. And so he, he says he thought Canelo figured he was probably safe, and he was surprised when he got tested. Um, so, but, you know, so if Canelo is in fact clean, you would think he would want to disprove that kind of talk and say, no, I'm clean, I made a mistake by eating uh, meat that I should have had imported as opposed to eating from Mexico, and, and submit to the testing. I think you know he should submit to the announce today and say, hey, you know what, I don't even have a fight sign with uh, Gennady yet, and I'm going to be tested because I'm so desperate to prove that I'm clean. And Oscar De La Hoya, you know, he said a stupid thing, I mean, especially from a strategic standpoint. TMZ got Oscar on um, April 25th and interviewed him, and he said Canelo is going to be tested every day from now, meaning April 25th, until the fight. So now we know it's almost two weeks since that interview was held. Canelo has not been tested every day. He has, not, in fact, not been tested any day. And so I think, you know, Oscar kind of put his foot in it, and now they're going to have to live up to that. And I think they should, and it would help. Um, Canelo's reputation if he would get into that testing program as quickly as possible. I read a pretty interesting article from uh, Wally Matthews, who I do a baseball podcast with. We just actually wrapped on on that one. He wrote an article on Forbes.com uh, about you know everyone that um, was that the losers of this fight that uh, didn't happen between Triple G and Canelo. And uh, he had some interesting points in here, which makes me to believe that this fight is going to happen in September. Ninety-three percent of Golden Boy's income is uh, from Canelo Alvarez. I think that's a staggering number. Not only that, is Canelo made, uh, reportedly made $48 million for his last fight. And yes, uh, he got, um, he got the, what, uh, he just got suspended for a, a couple X amount of months for, for taking the clenbuterol or what, what have you. But, you know, if you take a look at, uh, he, he loses out on, you know, roughly 
$48 million. I mean, if he would have got that in the rematch. So, yeah, there was people out there were saying that the suspension was not enough and he should have got fined. He essentially got a, a $50 million fine. And you throw around all those numbers, leads me to believe that come September 15th on Mexican Independence Day weekend, we will see, finally, Triple G Canelo get back in there. Do you agree with that? I, I think it's more likely than not. I wouldn't say it's a slam dunk by any stretch of the imagination because of what we talked about. But I do think that, you know, everybody's going to be smart about this. You know, they don't want to blow the fight. And I think uh, they, you know, the Golden Boy side is going to have to realize uh, that uh, Gennady is not bluffing. And Gennady and Tom Loeffler are going to have to, if, if this is really how Gennady feels, and he said this repeatedly to so many people so many different times that you have to take him at his word, then Tom Loeffler has to be um, be careful as well because the fighter is not going to be pleased. So I think that that is one of the things that, uh, you know, they have to take seriously. But I, I do think everybody realizes that time is of the essence here and that they're going to look to get it done fairly quickly. Let's switch gears a little bit. This upcoming weekend, you'll be flying cross-country. You'll be here in New York City for a big fight. Uh, Lomachenko and Linares, a fight that was certainly under the radar because of this Canelo saga, and uh, it kind of sucked up the life, and we haven't heard much about uh, a great matchup between Vasil Lomachenko and Jorge Linares. It's a really big fight, and uh, what, are your, what are your takeaways for, uh, as we head into fight week? Yeah, I love the fight. You know, I mean, I, I like it a lot more than I like the Rigondeau-Lomachenko fight. Um, I think this is going to be an offensive fight. So you look at uh, uh, Lomachenko, his last, he made the last four opponents he faced quit in the ring. Uh, such a great offensive force. And we know that Linares is an offensive fighter. Linares' weakness is that he takes a lot of shots. And I think that that's going to you know, put him in some, some uh, jeopardy. Uh, against uh, Vasily, and I think that um, when you look at this fight, you know it's going to be can Linares, you know, avoid getting hit with the clean punches that he tends to get hit. Linares is known for being in some of these toe-to-toe slugfests. I don't think he can win a slugfest like that um, against Vasily Lomachenko. So I think he's going to have to, you know, kind of move, give angles, uh, try to use his boxing skills as best he can. Uh, Lomachenko is, uh, you know, an indomitable force coming forward. And, you know, he has really good combinations and and he has great conditioning. Uh, But I think it's a fun fight, and I think it's, you know, this is going to be the first fight, maybe since the Salido fight in the second of his career, where we're going to get to see the best of Silly Lomachenko because he has a guy in front of him that's going to make him be at his best. That's a really good point you bring up, and I think fans should be really excited. I mean, Lomachenko is a guy whose career has been on the fast track, like you said. Salido, his uh, what was that? His that was the second fight, the second fight of his career, and he's, he's already fighting for a world title against Lido and you bring up the fact of, of these four guys he's made quit on the stool or, or and um and one of those was uh Guillermo Rigondeaux and uh where is Guillermo Rigondeaux because he was very active on Twitter I don't know if he was uh doing the Twitter or not but let's just say that he was talking a lot of trash in the lead up to their fight and I feel like I mean the guy's falling off the face of the earth have you heard from Guillermo Rigondeaux I have not and um I think you know we may have heard the last of him I mean I 
I feel bad for him in a way because you know he you know he was always trying to prove his greatness. You know he was a, one of the best amateurs of all time, won back-to-back gold medals, a phenomenal professional or excuse me amateur record, and then he comes out and he's undefeated as a pro. Um, you know the most avoided man in boxing thing. He tried to you know perpetuate uh, that myth. Um, a lot of people said he was unwatchable as a pro, and then you know you you saw some of his fights that he showed signs uh, like, but he got in there with a bigger guy who was in the prime of his career, um, you know, and, and, and he basically quit. And I was disappointed in the way, like, I am always a safety first guy, but I don't think that he was in the kind of jeopardy where you quit. You know, like, in other words, if you're taking blows to the head, I, I never will criticize somebody for that. Rigando, you know, hurt his hand. And, or claimed he hurt his hand, you know, and uh, there wasn't even an injury as it turned out afterwards. I'm sure his hand was hurting him, but, you know, he he walked away from the fight. I think that takes a lot of the luster away from him. And at his age, I, I don't know how much we're going to see of him again. And I, I think, uh, you know, he's he's not going to be a guy that is going to be at the top of mind to boxing fans going forward, even if he does come back. Yeah, there were rumors of him potentially uh, joining the World Boxing Super Series if they added on uh, a lower weight class. I know there was some news about that today, whether they're going to add on uh, down to the lower 122 where you know he might belong, though. But uh, going back to Lomachenko, he makes a guy like Rigan to now quit. Uh, we talked about his, his amateur career and all the, the dominance that he had there. Uh, Bob Barham, who will appear on this program a little later, talks about the fact that he's the best talent he's ever promoted. I mean, and Bob Barham has promoted them all up to Muhammad Ali. What is the uh, his ultimate potential uh, in your eyes, Lomachenko? I, I think he has potential to be the best fighter in the world. You know, some people think he is that right now. Um, you know, I I may be a little more conservative, but I think he's certainly right in that mix. You know, you have a handful of guys at the top that I think are really elite fighters, and you could throw a blanket over them and, you know, and pick between them. You know, Terrence Crawford, um, you know, being a, a prominent one among them. Uh, but I think, you know, this is a guy that when all is said and done uh, is going to go into the uh, International Boxing Hall of Fame on the first ballot. He's going to set some records in this sport that are, you know, mind-boggling. Uh, he, he is a guy that is so attentive to detail and every little detail he pays attention to. And, you know, he's a, a very good offensive fighter. He's a very good defensive fighter. He's in terrific condition. Um, you know, he really knows uh, the sport of boxing. And I, I, I think that, you know, Lomachenko could go down as one of the all-time greats. Uh, you know, I, I wrote a story in talking about the uh, records of his opponents, and it was something like three, including Lenars, his opponents are 353, 30, and 12. Wow. And that that is really remarkable, uh, Dan, when you think about it, that uh, he's faced that level of opponent. And he complained to me and said, I wanted to face tougher guys, and the yeah. tougher guys wouldn't fight me at the time. So, you know, it's something that's unheard of, and I think he's going to set a really remarkable legacy in this sport before he's done. Now, you, you bring up the fact that, yes, he, he always wants to face the best, and that's kind of been the hardest part of a Bob Arum's job is getting opponents for Vasil Lomachenko because he, look what he does to them. He makes them he makes them quit. But do you think that's going to be a problem for him? Do you think he might be a guy that just never has that, that equal dance partner? Do you think he'll have to jump up and wait and do something drastic in order to get the attention and the, the credit that he deserves? 
Well, I think certainly uh, Lenoris is going to give him that opportunity. And I think that there are some guys that, you know, he could potentially fight uh, at 35 or 40. You know, there's two guys at 140, you know, or maybe three if you want to include top ranks, Jose Ramirez uh, in that mix. But I was thinking of Regis Progre and also uh, Mikey Garcia yeah. as fighters at 140. I mean, imagine a Lomachenko-Garcia fight at 140. I think that that would be phenomenal. Yes. And, and I think that that is a doable fight. It looks like Mikey Garcia is going to sign uh, with Zufa Boxing, Dana White. Um, it's not a done deal yet, but if he gets that done, then I think uh, you know that's a fight that they, they could definitely uh, make, and that would be the kind of fight that I think would shine the light on how good not only Vasily Lomachenko is, but also Mikey Garcia, because Mikey is also an elite fighter and one of the top pound-for-pound fighters in the world. Now, you bring up uh, Dana White, and he took the words right out of my mouth. He just announces uh, that the UFC has partnered up with ESPN+. Plus. Uh, ESPN+, Plus is the new platform where we're going to see uh, Terrence Crawford fight uh, uh, Jeff Horn June 9th. And uh, I feel like everything is going the way of streaming. And there are fans out there, let's be honest here, boxing fans are traditionalists. They want to watch fights on their TV on Saturday night. They want to crack open a beer, and they want to know that it's going to be either on HBO uh, Showtime or ESPN. They're not exactly in love with the fact that they have to pay uh, $5 additionally every month to see a big fight uh, like Terrence Crawford uh, and Jeff Horn. Given all that, do you see boxing kind of you know, following suit with the UFC and kind of getting more into the streaming? What do you make of this whole uh, the whole streaming of boxing fights now? Well, you know, your dad and I would be guys <laughs> that would have be the old model and right. appeals to the boxing but you know young kids coming up now people who were born you know 1990 or later who are boxing fans you know they grew up with uh streaming and they grew up with high-speed internet you know we did not and so you know it's a different and i think you have to prepare uh yourself for the future and i i you know I understand there's pain. Like, I, I have always been against pay-per-view, and if anybody goes back through, you know, the history of columns I've written, one of my stances is don't make pay-per-view fights unless it's absolutely necessary. And I criticize promoters for, you know, not giving good fights to the fans on free television. And I was an advocate uh, when the PBC first came out for what they were trying to do as long as they put good fights on because it was going to be free over the air and, and have exposure to the greatest number of audience but it's obvious that you know we're moving towards streaming um and you know with 5g coming on uh on the internet uh for mobile devices you know it's going to be really easy to stream uh and it's already pretty good right now and it's only going to be better i think this is just an acknowledgement of where the the future of uh, viewing is going to be and you know it's good and bad i mean hey it's nice to be able to sit back and have a pizza and have a beer and, and put your feet up on the sofa and watch the fights but it's also good that hey if you if you have to be somewhere other than home you can still see the fight yeah. and see what's going on and so i think it you know it touches um some other basis I, you know 4.99 is not that bad a month you know people have to decide i don't know what anybody else's financial situation is but you get a lot of content for that 4.99 boxing mma golf tennis nhl uh mlb you know there's a lot of stuff on there 
And so I think it's, you know, it, it, you know, people, if they give it a shot, might find out they think it's worthwhile. And if not, hey, you know what, there's going to be other alternatives, and they just can skip those fights. Yeah, well, also another thing, too, is that most people have smart TVs at this point. You can still watch the fight on your TV if you have the ESPN Plus app on your TV, or if you have Chromecast. Correct. There's certainly Get tons of ways. Get an Apple TV or Chrome, yeah, all those things, and you can watch it. Yeah, so that, I do agree that boxing, is it's it's nice to see that they're finally adapting and and, uh, the, you know, we saw what Al Heyman and his – what the PBC did to the, the television market, how it, you know, it kind of blew it up, and they had to start over. So I do think streaming is the way to go. And you know what? Uh, you know, the older generation has shown that they can adapt too. So uh, I think boxing is in, in good hands uh, when it comes to that. Before we let you go, Kevin, I do have to ask you about Anthony Joshua, uh, Deontay Wilder. A lot of confusion about, you know, are they making offers towards each other? There's monies in, in bags, and <laughs> there's just all this talk – and everything we know about big fights, and you know this better than anyone, big fights, negotiations, they don't play out on Twitter. They don't play out in the public. They play out in back rooms and, uh, you know, chance meetings and, and what have you. But uh, if you had to put a, a ballpark figure on whether or not Anthony Joshua Wilder gets – Anthony Joshua Deontay Wilder gets made for 2018, what percentage are you putting that at? I, I think it's better than 50%. I think that they will fight in 2018. What I would not put good odds on is that they fight each other next, as everybody wants, and as should happen. Um, that's the, my concern is that, you know, both guys are vulnerable. I think they're both entertaining fighters. I think they're good fighters, but they both have vulnerability. And if you're staring at a potential $50 million payday, as Anthony Joshua is, and you sit there and you think to yourself, if I get beat by this guy, this, you know, big baby Miller, and he lands one punch, that's all it's going to take, and he lands one punch and beats me, I just blew $50 million. And I think that's something that, you know, has to be taken into account. So I think that um, they will fight this year. My guess is that they're going to, uh, you know, fight somebody else before they fight each other. Um, you might even have an announcement that, hey, we made a two-fight deal and that, you know, they're going to fight each other uh, at the end of the year after fighting other opponents uh, first and have that all, you know, come out in the wash. Wow. But I do think the fight will happen. I'm just not so certain that it's going to happen uh, the way we want next. Does it happen in Vegas or do we see it in, across the pond? I think more likely in Vegas. Um, I, I think they can do a $20 million gate in Las Vegas, maybe $25 million, but certainly a $20 million gate. Um, and, you know, it'll do the best pay-per-view numbers here because it's the largest market for pay-per-view, and it's, it would be in prime time. You know, some people complain the pay-per-views are too late as it is in the U.S. Now, if you go to the U.K., you know, how do you put it on in prime time there? It, it's just going to be crazy. Yeah, it be at 5 so o'clock here. I, Right. So I think that they're going to do, they're going to turn around and, and put the fight in Las Vegas where they'll make the most, you know, they'll generate the most revenue. Um, the places around the world that do do pay-per-view, and there's not a lot of other ones that do it. Australia's one, uh, that'll be a pay-per-view fight in the UK. You know, they are used to these start times and they've, they've already conquered that, uh, but they haven't conquered it in the U.S. So I think it's one of the things that, um, you know, will make the you know the play to go to Las Vegas. If they go to uh, Wembley, they could sell ninety thousand tickets, and they could pump the tickets up yeah. high enough 
maybe they come close, but I don't think that I, I think it's too risky for them, and they'll lose a lot of money on the pay per view. So I think they come to Las Vegas, and we'll see the fight here. Yeah, I hope so. I really hope it happens in Vegas. I know you hope it happens in Vegas, being a Vegas resident, right? of course, right? Oh, no doubt. Anytime I don't get on a plane is a win for me. How about uh, those Vegas uh, Golden Knights, the hockey team? I know you're season ticket holders. I mean, these team can't lose right now. Yeah, they're awesome. Uh, a lot of fun. Uh, you know, they got a really tough challenge ahead of them. Uh, Winnipeg and Nashville are going to play Game 7, uh, and the winner will play the Golden Knights in the Western Conference Finals. And I, I personally think that Winnipeg and Nashville are the two best teams in the NHL. So, you know, the best team doesn't always win, so the Knights have a chance. But I'll tell you what, they got a, a tough road ahead of them. Is, but it's remarkable what they've done. Is Vegas just alive now? I know how hungry they are for a professional sports team. They're going to get the Raiders in, what, 2020? But I just got to... 2020. Yeah, so I just got to figure that the, the, the city right now is just buzzing right now for hockey, which is a crazy thing to say about Vegas. The, Las Vegas, the fans here are crazy about the Golden Knights. I can't even ex, uh, express how crazy they are. I mean, practices, you, there's lines to get in at practice every day. Wow. It's its not just once in a while. It is every single day. I was flying to um, uh, out, of, out the other day to go to the Golovkin fight, and I'm walking down the airport on Saturday morning, and uh, my gate was 43, and I think it was gate 37 or 38, and... It was a flight to San Jose there, and there was a bunch of Golden Knights fans, and they're all chanting "Go Knights, Go!" and VGK. And it was like seven o'clock Saturday morning. That's amazing. And they're, they're, you know, these fans were heading to uh, San Jose for the uh, deciding game, and you know, chanting and wearing all their stuff. I mean, you know, everywhere you go in Las Vegas, police cars have Golden Knights stickers on them. I mean, it is just you know, Golden Knights mania. It's a great story, and it continues on with the NHL playoffs. We'll see you Saturday night. Uh, at the Garden for another big fight. Uh, Vasil Lomachenko, Jorge Linares. Kevin, always great talking with you, and I appreciate you joining the show, man. Appreciate it, my friend. Thanks so much. All right, thank you. It's almost impossible to keep up with all the headlines in boxing, but luckily you have us here at Inside Boxing Live uh, keeping track of all the ridiculous headlines, the top stories, and observations uh, in a segment that we call In Case You Missed It. Uh, let's start off with Dana White. Uh, president of the UFC has made no secret that he wants to get into boxing. He wants to dip his toe, as he told me at the Mayweather-McGregor uh, press conference while he was wearing the Zufa boxing shirt. He wants to get into boxing. He tried to sign uh, Anthony Joshua. It was that rumor that he was an offer from $500 million that they quickly rebuffed. But it looks like he has his first fighter for Zufa boxing, reportedly, reportedly. Reportedly is not a word. Reportedly, Dana White is close to signing Mikey Garcia. Uh, to Zufa Boxing. This is interesting for a number of reasons. Mikey Garcia is managed by Al Heyman. As we know with Al Heyman fighters, they do not have a promoter. How it works with, with Heyman is uh, wherever the fight is at, whatever state it's at, they use a local promoter to promote the fight. In New York, it's usually Lou DiBella. Uh, but, you know, he has no affiliations with, with uh, Mikey Garcia, so he's pretty much a free agent. And we saw a lot of photos of... Uh, I think it was about two weeks ago, of Dana White hanging around at the gym with Mikey Garcia, uh, sniffing around, and I'm sure you know he offered him uh, you know, plenty of money here. And it's going to be very interesting to see where he ends up fighting because Mikey Garcia's last three or four fights have been on Showtime Boxing. And uh, if you follow Dana White, 
You know that he's very outspoken, and uh, some of the last things he said about boxing is that I will never work with Showtime again. He did not enjoy his time with the Mayweather-McGregor. Uh, all that had to do with it. He had nothing nice to say about Steven Espinosa. He had nothing nice to say about Showtime. Uh, so it'll be interesting. Will he go over to HBO? Will they have a streaming, uh, some type of streaming thing? Will they do their fights on Fight Pass? You know, we saw that with the Roy Jones fight. So it'll be interesting. Dana White uh, signs or close to signing uh, Mikey Garcia to Zufa Boxing. I uh, just talked about Anthony Joshua and how he potentially could have signed with Dana White. But did you see this, Nick? I know you have the, the video and the sound uh, just to set you up for this clip. Anthony Joshua, Vladimir Klitschko, obviously it's one year removed from their epic fight at Wembley Stadium. And uh, both of them uh, reunited on the pitch uh, at Wembley. It turns out they're doing a documentary that all proceeds will go to charity. It's a documentary on their epic fight. Uh, because that really, if there was a fight that's that's worthy of a documentary or worthy of a film, it's this one because it was like Hollywood. We look like we're watching a Hollywood script. But uh, Nick, I know you have the sound. We posted it on our CompuBox uh, Twitter page, and it blew up. You know, Lennox Lewis retweeted it, Moro Ronaldo. It got over like you know, a bunch of retweets, and people really interested in this meeting. So uh, roll the tape, Nick. You let him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you were heavy, man. You were still strong. <laughs> still strong. <laughs> wow, one year old. How are you? Very good, very good. Good to see you, man. You look like one million pounds after tax. One <laughs> <laughs> million pounds. You look like one million pounds after tax. That is such a Vladimir Klitschko joke. (laughs) But that was an awesome meeting. Uh, You can tell that these guys have a lot of respect for each other. And that's something that I put in the tweet when I uh, put this video out there. It just shows you that you don't have to get into the gutter. You don't have to promote a fight with with fights with altercations at press conferences. You don't have to do what Mayweather and McGregor did, you know, throwing insults at each other. You can't read. You're this. You're that. These two had respect they had uh it was two great fighters joshua the up-and-coming young hungry lion klitschko a guy that reigned over the division for 10 years and look at this i mean tons of people tuned in and people are still are interested in this as we see by the reaction by that video we got 1.2 million views so uh be on the lookout for that documentary between uh, anthony joshua vladimir klitschko uh, moving forward, this is kind of a sad story here. Uh, they said this, the IOC, which is the Olympic Committee, is close to removing boxing from the uh, Tokyo 2020 Olympic Games. Uh, I mean, I don't blame them. If you read some of, uh, if you've been keeping up with the IOC or keeping up with the uh, boxing Olympic Boxing Committee, it's been a mess. Uh, according to this article on AP News, the International Boxing Association has been f- in financial turmoil. Uh, they face claims of fixing bouts. We saw that in 2016 Rio Games with Mick Conlon. Uh, we had Mick Conlon on the show here, Inside Boxing Live, uh, numerous times. He spoke about what he thought was f- a fixed fight, why he flipped the bird to the judges. And it turned out, you know, on the week of his last fight, they they came forward and it was confirmed that there, were, there was fixing fights. There was uh, some uh, foul play going on. So in addition to that, uh, we have a new interim president at the, uh, the AIBA who's linked to organized crime. <laughs> it's like every, uh, every rumor or every stereotype of boxing uh, you know, fixed fights, corruption, organized crime. Yeah, let's just put it in in the amateur ranks <laughs> where it's most important. Uh, the biggest reason why you don't see American superstars uh, come up the ranks anymore is because how broken the Olympic uh, program is. We're going to have more on that on Tough Take because I have an opinion on how we can fix it. But uh, the IOC, they're threatening. 
They're not exactly ripping it out just yet, but uh, they cite serious factual issues as well as concerns about the AIBA's leader. The U.S. De- Treasury Department um, is involved in heroin trading and froze assets he held in American jurisdiction. <laughs> this is bad. This is bad news, but hopefully they get it all figured out because boxing has to be in the Olympics. It was in the original Olympic Games. I mean, come on. It's a part of the games. It's it's why we saw Muhammad Ali. It's how we saw Sugar Ray Leonard, uh, Roy Jones, Floyd Mayweather. Go up up and down the list of Olympics, Olympic uh, trials, and what it means to the sport of boxing. I know it hasn't been great for us. You know, last year we had no one a medal, and <laughs> but you know, maybe we're seeing why that's happening here. So we got to get that fixed. Uh, moving forward here, with uh, in case you missed it, Jeff Horn. Uh, their fight's coming up between him and Terrence Crawford, June 9th. It's going to be on ESPN Plus. If you haven't uh, subscribed yet, you wanna, if you want to watch the fight, you're going to have to go ahead and do that. But uh, Jeff Horn's trainer, chirping once again. Uh, this is the latest headline. I love going to uh, BoxingScene.com and seeing the ridiculous headlines, and it's usually uh, Jeff Horn's camp coming out with uh, one crazier headline after the next. This one is Crawford made a big mistake. He's going to get KO'd. Okay, yeah, right. Uh, I don't think I don't think Jeff Horn even believes that. I mean, uh, Jeff Horn is going to win this fight. It might have to be a KO because if it goes to the scorecards, it's going to be here in the states. He's not going to get the treatment that he got in the Manny Pacquiao fight. But come on now, this is ridiculous. I mean, we're hearing more and more ridiculous things come from from Jeff Horn and his people. I just want to see this fight happen already. I feel like we've been talking about Jeff Horn versus Terrence Crawford for a year now. The fight got delayed because of uh, Crawford's hand injury, so a lot of people don't even believe that he had a hand injury. They thought that the tickets weren't moving, so they moved it to June 9th. But, you know, I had enough. I had enough of Jeff Horn and chirping left and right, so hopefully we can just see this fight. Crawford will do what he's going to do, what everyone suspects him to do, or at least, you know, we never know with Jeff Horn, but please. Stop with this ridiculousness. And finally here, on In Case You Missed It, Tony Ballou coming off of his win over David Hay over the weekend. Nice uh, knockout win for him. Right after the fight, started banging the drum for a fight with Andre Ward. As we know, Andre Ward is retired. Um, This is interesting for a number of reasons. Tony Ballou, I actually sat next to him for Mayweather McGregor. He was doing the commentating for Sky Sports and... I got to talking a little bit, and we we're talking about his role in Rocky. We we're talking about his career, and you know, what do you have left in the tank? What do you want to do? And to me, this was last last August. He said to me, "I want to fight Andre Ward." And I was like, "Oh wow, uh, you guys have beef? Do you, you guys know each other?" No, I respect him. I respect him a ton. Great guy, but I know I can beat him. He was confident back in August when he was just talking to me off the record, and uh, he just started banging the drum for this fight. And we know that Andre Ward is a fighter that is going to come back at some point. I mean, I talked to Roy Jones at the uh, HBO dinner uh, this past weekend at the Jacobs card, and Roy, I asked him right away, I said, do you think Andre Ward's going to come back? And he said, yes, I do. I do think he's going to come back for the right money and the right situation. And this fight doesn't have a belt attached to it, which is one reason I think maybe, you know, Ward doesn't choose this fight. But Tony Ballou, over the seas, will make a ton of money if this fight happens in, in, um, in the U.K., he can, I think he can beat Tony Ballou. The only thing is Ballou's got to come down and wait a little bit. We saw him. I think he was in there at like 205. Didn't look, wasn't looking as trim as he usually does. You know, Andre Ward, he posts pictures of him on the scale, sitting at above around 200. But we know last time we saw Andre Ward in the ring, he was fighting at 175. Maybe they come up with a catch weight. If there's no belt on the line, this is just a grudge match for, um, for financial reasons. It happens in the U.K. 
I'm all for it. Listen, I want to see Andre Ward back in the ring. He's only 33 years old. When he stepped away from the game, I knew he was going to come back. You know, there were rumors of him coming back to the heavyweight division. You know, that's a little far-fetched when you look at uh, you know, the heavyweights or who's in there. Anthony Joshua sitting about 250. Big Baby Miller, 304. Uh, you know, maybe Wilder is the only sensible fight for Andre Ward. But even when Wilder stepped into the ring against Ortiz, you know, he was at, like, what, his lowest weight ever, and that was because he was sick. And, you know, that wasn't the weight that he really wanted to fight at. But, nevertheless, Tony Ballou... He wants Andre Ward. Uh, we got to get Andre Ward's thoughts on that, try to get him on the show, and uh, see what he has to say about that. But that's it for In Case You Missed It. If any other news or tidbits or anything you want to throw away, send us them on Twitter, at CompuBox, using the hashtag I-C-Y-M-I. All right, our next guest here on the Inside Boxing Live is a big one. He is regarded as uh, maybe the greatest boxing promoter of all time. But before we get to Bob Barham, I have to tell you, about uh, Jack Doyle's restaurant and bar. Jack Doyle's located a few short steps away from Madison Square Garden on 35th and 7th. It's a great bar. It's a great restaurant. They have really good food. They have uh, amazing drink specials, two floors, all the games, all the fights. Uh, you can watch top-ranked boxing there, which Bob loves. And uh, just go and tell them that the Inside Boxing Live crew uh, sent you there. So with that, we will bring in Mr. Bob Aram. Bob, thank you for joining us here on Inside Boxing Live. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. Nice to be with you. Now, Bob, uh, let's start with uh, this week's fights. Uh, Vasil Lomachenko, a fighter that you love and uh, you uh, have very high praise for him. He's going in the ring with possibly the, the toughest test of his career in Jorge Linares. What makes this fight, in your opinion, a must-watch? Well, you know, I, I, I'm a, a Lomachenko fan. I believe he's one of the great fighters of our time. And uh, this is a big test. Uh, Linares is a much bigger guy. Uh, Loma started as a featherweight. Now he's going up uh, uh, almost 10 pounds to fight uh, Linares uh, in his third title uh, quest. Uh, It's a a tall order. Uh, Anybody but Lomachenko probably be an underdog. But, you know... uh, Lomachenko, since he's been an amateur, has had such great, great success in the boxing ring uh, that you had to like him in the fight. Now, Bob, uh, you've been on record. Uh, you said that Vasil Lomachenko is the most talented fighter you've ever promoted. And uh, I mean, it's to say you've promoted some of the greats. Uh, Muhammad Ali is a professional uh, boxer that you've promoted. Uh, do you still stick by that statement? And, and what makes Lomachenko so great and uh, brings up that type of uh, comparison from you? Well, I said that Lomo is the most uh, complete and best fighter that I've seen uh, since Ali. Wow. Uh, you know, Ali, they, that young Ali... Uh, was absolutely amazing. But Lomachenko uh, uh, just can do everything. I mean, uh, you know, they've been great defensive fighters before. Loma's a great defensive fighter. Floyd Mayweather was a great defensive fighter. But Mayweather was content uh, to win points, uh, to defend himself, and to win decisions. Uh, Lomachenko is different. Lomachenko is the full package. He is as defensive as Mayweather, but as he's being defensive, he looks for openings on how he will 
ultimately end up destroying his opposition. Uh, so that adds uh, another uh, form of excitement uh, to his performance. And the last four fights, he's made four really good fighters quit. <laughs> yes, he has. Uh, last one be Guillermo Rigondeaux, who uh, has gone into the witness protection program. I haven't heard a thing from uh, Rigondeaux. He was very... Uh, he was on Twitter. He was talking a lot of junk. But uh, I just had Kevin Ioli on on the show, and we talked about Lomachenko's uh, reputation and uh, his legacy and how hard it is for him to get dance partners uh, now that he's making all these guys quit. And we know what the politics of boxing. But you've come together with Oscar De La Hoya, and we know everything, all the history of you and Oscar. Was this an easy uh, negotiation? And uh, could we see potentially more fights made uh, with Golden Boy and Oscar De La Hoya from you, Mr. Bob Arum? Well, you know, there was no problem making the fight. There was no problem with anything except the timing because um, uh, the they were looking at the delay of Golovkin uh, Canelo, which of course didn't happen because there was no fight together with an undercard. And so it was solved by us uh, instead of uh, having a start time of uh, nine o'clock, we have a start time of eight o'clock. We'll be off the air around 10 is Eastern time. Uh, and then uh, HBO will put its show on, of course, minus uh, the uh, uh, replay, which mm. uh, obviously uh, is uh, didn't happen, but uh, so everybody accommodated each other, but there was never for a minute any hesitation on the Naris's side or Golden Boy's side uh, to get that fight done. It was a matter of timing, and we solved that, and uh, the negotiations were relatively simple. Now, will Oscar, do you know if Oscar's going to be at the uh, MS Square Garden or will he be up at uh, Turning Stone for the uh, the HBO fight? Uh, Oscar will be at Madison Square Garden, oh. as I understand it. And uh, I think Eric uh, Gomez mm -hmm. will be uh, uh, in Turning Stone. So now you and Oscar, I mean, obviously you have the, the, the past and I'm not going to get into all that, but I'm sure your relationship has, has gotten better now. You're doing business together. Will you have a moment uh, to talk with Oscar and will it be like a photo op? I know uh, a couple of weeks ago you and uh, Don King broke bread. So I think it would be nice. I think the boxing fans would love to see uh, Bob Arum and, and Oscar De La Hoya back in good graces. I am not an idiot. <laughs> I don't play into these nonsense that goes on in boxing. Mm -hmm. I don't have any enemies. Everybody's my friend. Love it. It's stupid to have enemies. Oh, I agree. Maybe you, you do hate one person, right? That's Donald Trump. Well, he, but he's not in boxing. Well, he was. He was. And then, well, uh... he was. I hated him then also. That's <laughs> the exception. Nice. Bob, um... You've seen it all. I mean, you've been in the, in the game for what, 40, 50 years now. I don't want to. I don't want to put your Over age out there. Years. Over fifty years. I don't want to put your age out there. I'm not going to do that. Why not? Well, you're eighty. Eighty-six. Unbelievable. It's a good number. About, King is same as King's number. I'm thirty years old, Bob. Can you, well, okay. All right. You should live. You should live so long. Maybe, you know, people are living longer now. 86 is not particularly old anymore. Listen, you're everyone's hero in this sport. I mean, I can wish I have the energy and the enthusiasm like you do to, to jet across the world. One day you're in Japan, next day you're in Australia. It's unbelievable. My question for you is, what's the secret to your longevity? 
Well, my secret for longevity is uh, I know how to relax. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, and uh, before it became legal in my state, I used uh, recreational marijuana. It's a very good uh, thing to relax with. Uh, a lot better than alcohol and certainly better than any of the high drugs. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think an important thing to stay relevant and to be able to have enthusiasm in your work is you learn how to relax. You learn how to do things to take your mind off your business. And with marijuana, that, in effect, is what happened. And that's why I think the NFL and other leagues should rethink their policy uh, banning marijuana uh, from their athletes. Yeah, you got to figure, like you said, better than uh, than popping the, the prescription pills. Or, or, or downing a bottle of tequila. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you got a lot of Mexican fighters on your on your stable. They might disagree with you there, but you know that's. No, good. I think they would agree, man. They would agree. Well, you know, a lot, a lot of them, I I know, uh, recreationally use weed. It's very popular in Mexico. Now, what would you if you say you got together with Muhammad Ali and you you decided to to spark up a nice joint? What would that those conversations be like? No, I don't. Ali would never do that. Ali would never do that. He would. Uh, Ali didn't drink for a long time. He still didn't hardly drank at all. You know, great athletes like uh, Jim Brown and uh, Ali. The one thing I learned, they never would put a drop a booze into their <laughs> system and certainly uh, wouldn't indulge with marijuana. The same thing with, with Floyd Mayweather. A lot of people have criticism of, of Floyd for a number of reasons. You know, he's out partying, now he has his strip clubs. But one thing about Mayweather that I always admired is he's not a drinker and he's not a smoker. And maybe that's the reason why, and it brings back to your point, the longevity. He has a 20-year boxing career, and it's because he knows how to relax, And but maybe he's not using the weed, but... You know, that's one thing about Floyd is he never really got into that type of stuff, too. So. Not, no, clearly, clearly never did. Uh, you know, he'd go to a bar, uh, uh, a nightclub, and order a bottle of booze for his friends, but he never uh, would indulge. Uh, I think uh, uh, alcohol uh, is not the best thing for an athlete uh, when he is... Uh, participating in the sport. Uh, I think that that is clearly true. Uh, I think, obviously, you can't play football if you're stoned. Uh, <laughs> but I believe that uh, uh, that it may, it may be because football is so violent and injuries are so pronounced uh, week to week uh, that better than taking these uh, pain-killing drugs, which a lot of them do, mm-hmm. they're probably better off uh, using uh, some marijuana. Has like anything, any people like High Times Magazine, or, or has anyone approached you, or these businessmen? Because people are making tons of money when it comes to this legalized weed now. I know Mike Tyson has a farm now out in, I think, Northern California. Has anyone approached you, or, or the powers that be at Top Rank, to kind of get your name behind some uh, legalized weed? No, I mean, why, you know, uh, I never even thought of it, no, what I consider doing it. You want to get in what business, the hell did they, What the hell do they need, need, 
need my name behind you're a big name re- you're a big name i know that you can well, it's like a big good investment I, I mean you're you're you see you're talking from a new york perspective <laughs> i come from uh, las vegas i spend a lot of time in california both states nevada and california yeah uh, it's legal mm-hmm. and so what we're saying it's no big deal gotcha it's no big deal in other words they sell their product not because on a name any name they sell it because the product gets a reputation of being really good bob what's the biggest thrill in your boxing career this is a loaded question well i think my biggest thrill i've had a lot of them but one of them that stands out in my mind and i'll never forget is when uh big george foreman knocked out michael moore wow i mean that was really something and you know, no, nobody thought it was would be possible, particularly when when George started his comeback. Did you ever think in, in your wildest dreams that George Foreman, a guy who was a, a very rough customer early on in his career, eventually uh, found God, became a spiritual guy, would make upwards of, what, $500 million? I'm probably low on the estimate here for the, 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 the grill. For the George Foreman grill, did he even like come to you with that, or, or it's just amazing to see the the arc of his career? Well, George was blessed, and uh, uh, it just shows that people can turn their life around. George, in his first uh, career, was a terrible guy, <laughs> acted badly to people. Uh, ten years, he was in the wilderness, uh, uh, preaching the words of God, uh, and when he came back. The boxing, he was a changed man, and he is that today. He's a wonderful person, contributes a lot to society. He's raised a great, great family, and it just shows that uh, if people believe in something higher than themselves, like believing in God, they can change their life and turn it around. What would you say right now the biggest difference between boxing in the, the 70s and 80s and uh, and right now, in terms of just the skill level? Well, you know, see, that's always a bad question to ask an older guy. (laughs) An older guy says, hey, Marvin Hagler, Tommy Hearns, Ray Leonard, great fighters. Who would beat them? Not the guys around today. Mm -hmm. Guys around today are this and that. But, you know, in sports where you can compare performances which of course is subjective like for example track and field where the athletes today far exceed what the athletes uh, in the 80s did Uh, athletes are becoming better training is becoming better you know the kids around today don't maybe get the accolades uh, but they're damn good. I mean, you know, I would think that uh, Terrence Crawford, uh, that Bud could uh, uh, compete very, very well with any of the greats, with uh, uh, Sugar Ray or Tommy. Uh, you know, he's probably better uh, than than those guys were, mm-hmm. but at least as good. How about Vasil Lomachenko? Who would you, who, I mean, a dream matchup maybe into the top of my mind, Vasil Lomachenko, Roberto Duran. How about oh, that my one? God, what a fight that would be. Well, you wouldn't even what have to do anything for that. What a fight. 
I mean, Duran was unusual. Duran, uh, Duran was uh, was uh, a force in the ring. He was a killer as a as a lightweight. But you know, I would think that uh, that uh, uh, Loma would box his ears off. As great <laughs> as Duran was, and as fearsome as he was, you know, I don't think he could have. Um, uh, performed uh, like he did against uh, a defensive expert uh, like Lomachenko. Now, uh, we're talking right now with the legendary Bob Marum. This is a a thrill for me, uh, being a young boxing fan uh, and working in the business and uh, everyone. What do you, uh, when people say that you're the best boxing promoter of all time, how does that make you feel? I said, they don't know what they're talking about. How do they know? (laughs) Maybe they're high. Were they, were, were they around with Tex Rickard or Harry Markson? No. So who are they comparing me with? Well, the fact that you were with Muhammad Ali and you were with some of the and made some of the biggest fights of all time. Yeah, but 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 Mike Jacobs was with Joe Lewis. Whenever you say of all time, mm-hmm. it's ludicrous. Ludicrous, particularly the people who say of all time who weren't around all the time. You're just being humble right now, Bob. I'm not being humble. I'm being realistic. I'm talking sense, not no. nonsense. Well, the, my point was that, you know, you've been around since the 70s and 80s. Well, let me let me get my point in here. But the yes. fact that you've now have taken it forward now. You have Vasil Lomachenko. You have Bud Crawford. You're making deals with ESPN. You're making deals with ESPN+. Plus. You're moving the sport forward. So your total resume, your the, the, the body of your work leads a lot of people to believe to be the best promoter of all time. I, that's nonsense. That is, I, I don't want to be, I'm not overly modest either. That is nonsense. I mean, I've read books on Rickard. I've read books on Mike Jacobs. I mean, they were really great promoters. Am I better than they are? Remember, they didn't have the internet. They didn't have a lot of uh, assets that, I, that a promoter today has. So, I mean, you can't say that. That's just a stupid thing to say. That's as stupid as Trump saying, I'm the best president of the United States, except for Abe Lincoln. What the frick is he talking about? I was really hoping you would drop the F-bomb. It would be an honor for you to drop an F-bomb on my show. I was about to, but what the hell. (laughs) sun is shining. Yeah, the sun is shining. How do you think of this weather in New York? It's beautiful out today. Well, this is like... uh, we have in California and Nevada most of the year. Yeah, I don't have, I'm, we're not, I'm not as lucky as you. I got. I live here in New York. We had a brutal winter. Well, for New York, it's great weather. Yeah, for New York, it's phenomenal. And Saturday night, we'll, we'll see a, another phenomenal performance. Okay. Vasil right. Lomachenko. I, I got I to gotta wrap this thing up. I got to... Yeah, let's go. I know. It's been great talking with you, Bob. I could talk to you all day. I appreciate you coming on the show, and I look forward to seeing you Saturday night. Thank you very all right. much. Yeah, good. You're going to see a great show. Because not only is there Lomachenko on the show, we got some great fighters. Teofimo uh, Lopez, a coming star, is on the show. Yes. Um, Mick Conlon is on the show. Love Mick. Uh, yeah. Great kid. And All right. Carlos Adamas, watch him. He's a really up and coming welterweight. He fights the semi main event. Awesome. Saturday night, ESPN, the great Bob Barham. Thank you very much for joining us. It was a thrill. Good talking to you. All right, we're back. That's my uh, Mike Francesa impression. Uh, He's back, too. We're back with uh, Tough Takes. 
this is a segment we introduced a few weeks ago. It's getting some good reactions. This is where we, and I say we because I'm going to bring in our producer here, slash brother, slash engineer, slash fellow punch counter for CompuBox, Nick Kenobia. How was your weekend? <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, what happened? Rough. My daughter's got a stomach bug, so we spent the weekend in the uh, hospital. You could the say. People at Stony Brook really took care of us, but uh, it was rough. But, you know, I got to watch. Well, I'll get into the, the Golovkin thing, but, yeah, it, it was uh, it was rough. How yeah, about you? that's my niece you're talking about. It is. Yeah, Sky. I hope you're feeling better. Uh, what did I do this weekend? We had the fights. I called the Gotti fight. Uh, John oh, yeah. Gotti Jr., uh, the third in an MMA. Uh, I'm also an MMA announcer or uh, commentator, and I called the fights over in a uh, space at Westbury in Long Island. He uh, disposed of his opponent in 30 seconds. Eddie, Eddie Hawes. Hawes from upstate New York. Who, he was quick. Yeah, so John Gotti, that, that is the grandson of the famed mobster John Gotti. He's now 2-0 as an amateur, uh, as a professional MMA uh, fighter, so that fight got a lot of uh, a lot of attention. I was on TMZ. You were everywhere, Dan. Black Tiger, White Dragon. I was on their Instagram. I know I just messed it up, but whatever. Yeah, it was everywhere. MMAfighting.com, you know, all the good stuff. Our buddy Ariel, yeah, he, he he ran with it for two. Yeah, so it was a good weekend all around on my end. I hope I wish that you had a little better of a weekend. Yeah. But you didn't get to watch boxing. We'll get to that in a second. But, you know, we have tough takes here. And we want to talk about uh, some observations in boxing and things that we notice because we watch a lot of boxing, uh, you and me, all weekend long all year long because boxing doesn't have an off season right. that's another thing that could be a tough take why doesn't boxing have an off season let's have one month where we don't have any boxing <laughs> yeah. so we can have a life but here's my thing is why isn't there a replay in boxing instant question. replay is needed in boxing that's a good question we've seen it over and over and over and over April 21st was the last time we saw it it was an ESPN fight Lamont Roach and Orlando Cruz we worked the fight uh, it was a pretty close fight, and uh, you know it was going to go. Uh, clearly, it was going to go down to the scorecards. You know, any th- any little uh, you know knockdown or what have you was going to be the difference in this fight. And I, I don't know which round it was. I think it was in the in the middle of the fight. Uh, Lamont he Lamont Roach clearly landed a punch on Orlando Cruz. He went down. He got staggered. Then he went down. The ref uh, Luis Pabon called it a a slip. Ends up the fight ends up being a draw. Had he ruled it properly, had they had replay, they went, could have looked back at it. They could have seen that it was clearly a punch that caused the knockdown, and he would have won the fight. He's 22 years old now. He has a draw on his record, and he could not win because it's could affecting. Could have been a loss. Could have been worse. Could have been a loss. And you know, with that, why that was so clear that why even have replay for that? I mean, you don't even need replay for that one. But I, I know there's other cases where, you know, it, it could come into play even. This past weekend, I watched some of the replay, and Golovkin, I know they were saying how it could have been a, you know, hit him when he was down, and I Roy, guess you can review that. Roy Jones said Roy Jones would have got disqualified for that. Right. Roy Jones said right. Roy Jones. Right. <laughs> Roy Jones, right, exactly. But, uh, you know, in reality, uh, in 2018, uh, we should have, we should definitely have it. But you said even if it's not obvious, why can't the other refs who are also ringside, there's always one ref that, that counts when the other ref doesn't see it? Yeah. So why can't they come together like they do in baseball when all the umps come together when they know one messed up a call before they had replay in baseball? All the umps came together. They said, "No, listen, you messed that one up. We have to call it the right play." And they do that. You know, why can't they even do that? Well, they, and the refs are sitting right next to the TV. I mean, it's not like they can't see. They even now they could peek over, maybe give maybe give the ref in the in the ring a little wink, saying, "You know, 
Get yeah, I know that the New York State Commission was was going to like kind of toy around with it. Like they were introducing some type of replay, but it wasn't for it was only for fouls. It wasn't for uh, knockdowns, which well, has a clear, sense. you know, has a clear result on the fight. I mean, knock ha- someone down. That for this case, what if this was a championship fight? You know, and uh, it wasn't a draw; it was a loss. And the guy loses millions of dollars. You know, it's it's ridiculous. I don't understand how all four sports have instant replay. You know, baseball was the last one to get it, and they are the sport where you know it seems like they're the last to adapt to everything, and they have it. I mean, they and now it's a huge success. You have players, you know, clamoring for for replays. That you, how many times have you seen a call in in a tight baseball game gets reversed because it's the right call? Because umpires are are human, and I want to take the the referees out of this. I don't want to take the human element out of boxing but you know a little bit of replay will go a long way and i think that it will solve a lot of issues in the boxing world yeah well it's boxing that's why yeah, too many commissions yeah. they got to get it through every state i guess right it, it, it would go state to state that's what it would have to do so they should start it in new york see how it works nevada new york is the logical california the ones that do most of the fights yeah because you know i'm sure the referees want it too they don't want to be on the on the uh you know, on the hook for a lot of these things because they have a hard enough job as it is, you know, trying to break these guys up and make sure everything's clean and keep the fight moving. Right. And they have to keep track of the punches landed, flush. I mean, that's a really hard job. Jack Reese is good. <laughs> Jack Reese can do everything. He can do neurons. And he'll take pictures after the fight. And he'll wear that. If he's wearing the head thing with the camera on it, he can see if it lands. He can stick his head right in the middle of the action. Headbutt. He takes that home with him and, you know, just walks around, I goes in his car. I don't know if I want to see the footage of that. anything that he does in his. And his uh, yeah. outside of the ring, his extracurricular activities. No, I'm not talking about that stuff. But all right, what do you got? Uh, speaking of this weekend with the Golovkin, you know, and, and and talking, I was at the hospital and I wasn't able to to watch it live. But why is HBO behind the eight ball here with with live streaming? Um, every other network has their you know counterpart with the app. You have Showtime has their app. ESPN has their app. NBC Sports. NBC Sports. You know, Fox. I can watch uh, the Yankees on Fox Sports Go anywhere. Like, why why, why does HBO not have that option? Yeah, they have HBO Go. They have HBO. haven't set up. They have the vehicle there. I remember when they were first talking about getting HBO Go, and, you know, we we were asking about will this, you know, will boxing be on there? And they, they said no. So, I mean, it's been years of, uh, you know, since they've had that. And still, um, you know, there's a lot of rating. You know, I, I, I know HBO and Showtime, they don't really, they don't really look at the ratings, but, you know, you gotta, you gotta imagine that you're going to get another, I don't know, 50, 100,000 people that, that yeah. aren't in front of their home, you know, in watch front it on of their, their phone. TV, they can watch it on their well, phone. This case was on Saturday, Cinco de Mayo. People were out everywhere. People are out in New York City. I was out, and people are, you know, on their phones. They can watch it at the bar. If it's not, if they don't have HBO, they can watch it on their phone. They can t- tune well, in. Especially this one, you know, it's not, it's not, it wasn't uh, Canelo Golovkin. It's not something you have parties. You know, you're not going to have a party for this for the Triple G uh, Mortison. Yeah, Mortarusian. Mortarusian fight, but. You're still going to want to watch it, so you go out and you have it on your phone. You can't, you know, you could it's, do that unless you get the weird. Facebook, you know, stream the that's legal streams. Thing. But they're, they're leading the, people. That? They're driving people to go to the legal streams if they don't, or if they aren't home, or if they don't have HBO. It's a good way to get more fans involved, and it's a little strange why they haven't adapted it by now because Showtime does it, and that's their main competition. Right. HBO's main competition is Showtime. It is a little strange. I mean, uh, like you said, Fox Sports has it, and. 
everyone else has it. I know that you know if the fight is on regular HBO, you should be able to watch it more Easy. places than uh, than just on your phone. I mean, oh, just on TV. So it's it's very strange. And I know that Showtime it does. They stream fights now. They stream the weigh-ins. They stream. Uh, they have a little show with Moro and uh, yeah. Paulie. They 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 do some commentary on the weigh-ins. You know, people like to see that stuff. And they get. I look, last time I checked, they had maybe twenty thousand people were tuning in to the, the weigh-in for Wilder Ortiz just to watch them stand on a scale and in their underpants and watch Paulie, you know, go on and on and Moro and stuff. It's so it's yeah. pretty clear that there is a reaction and there is a market. So I, I'm very surprised HBO is uh, hasn't implemented that yet. But here is my last one here, Nick. Uh, tough takes. We talked about it, and in case you missed it, about how uh, the uh, IOC, the Olympic Committee, is looking to uh, take boxing out of the Olympic Games in 2020, which would be horrible. That's it. So uh, this past Saturday, uh, this last two Saturdays ago, we were at the Danny Jacobs uh, fight, and we were at the, obviously we work. CompuBox, so we go to the, the HBO dinner beforehand, and uh, it was me, Roy, and my and my and our dad, and we were sitting down and we were having a nice meal, and we're, I was asking Roy a bunch of questions because how often do you have dinner with Roy Jones? Right. So uh, we've known him over the years, we've had him on the show, and uh, first I asked him about Andre Ward. He said he thinks Andre Ward's in a fight again. Then we started talking about the Olympic Games. Obviously, he got robbed in the '88 games where he outlanded. He did. His, <laughs> yeah, where he outlanded uh, his opponent. What was it, 86 to 32? Did a whole uh, Spike Lee joint. Yeah, they did a whole thirty for thirty short on it. And so I started talking to him. I was like, "Why?" And and my dad brought it up. It's like, don't you think they need to do something with the USA boxing team and kind of give it, you know put some money into it and um, kind of revive it and kind of have a face of it? And I was like, "Roy, would you ever want to do that?" And he said, "Yes, right away." He said, "Yes, I will do that in a second. Like right. he can be the head coach." He can be a f- ambassador for USA Boxing, a guy that came from, uh, that was in the in the uh, Olympic Games, got robbed, and uh, I think they should do that. I mean, what are your thoughts? I think that's a great idea. Someone with his pedigree, you know, teaching these young kids, um, you know. But I, I think it's really sad that they're gonna uh, considering, you know, dropping it, uh, you know, from from the Olympics and. You know that's the highest pinnacle. I'm sure that I mean there's still team. There's still going to be a USA team that's still compete in other tournaments. But uh, you know there that's that's the pinnacle. That's how you judge your how, how you're going to be as a pro. And right. it's not the same yeah. winning like no. an amateur tournament as it is winning the Olympics. Right. And you're on NBC like Mick Conley. And look what it did for him. Right. Look what it did for Shakur Stevenson. I'm sure that if they do drop it, there will be some kind of tournament. There's, there's going to continue to be international uh, you know tournaments like that, and they'll. Find ways to do that, and then they'll find ways to corrupt it, just like they do with the Olympics. <laughs> yeah, well, apparently the, the the new head of the AIBA is uh, is involved in, in organized crime, heroin uh, dealings. Uh, they, they they must have looked at his resume. It's like, oh, let me see, what do you what do you do here? A little organized crime? You got a little yeah. heroin trafficking? All right, you're in. Yeah, they looked at the they, they had two they had two resumes. One was really clean. They said, no, he can't. He can't be involved in boxing. Let's let's get this guy. Yeah, but Roy would have nothing to do with with that. He would have to just strictly to do no, with the USA with the boxing. No, he sticks USA, and you know, yeah, yeah, I think it's a great idea. It's a question I wanted to ask Dana White too. If he ever comes back on the show, uh, we're we're trying to track Dana White down. <laughs> it's very hard to track down these days. But uh, he wants to get into boxing, and all these guys, they want to go for the top. He wants Anthony Joshua. He wants Mikey Garcia. He wants to get into the top. But how about investing some money in what is essentially the minor leagues of boxing, the farm system, developing 
You know, yeah. this is, boxing is entertainment, just like in uh, the music world. You have uh, development deals where you sign these young up-and-coming artists and you work with them. Same thing with boxing. How about you uh, You hire Roy Jones. They have a relationship. You get Dana White and his $500 million. He invests a small portion of that into the USA Boxing. You hire Roy Jones. Roy Jones can go out and get a staff for himself and put together a, a really good team. And then all of a sudden, you know, if they can get their act together, the AIBA, all of a sudden, USA Boxing's back on top, right. and we're producing champions. And then it just makes boxing as a sport better because then Oscar De La Hoya, Al Heyman, uh, Lou DiBella, uh, Bob Arum can just go out there and pluck their yeah, uh, the draft highest system. bidder. I mean, that it makes too much sense. It does make too much sense. So that means we're not going to see it. No. But you know, if you do, if anyone out there is listening, who is the powers that be, USA Boxing, uh, Roy Jones. Is, is ready. He's a candidate. I want uh, a commission. If they do hire him, I want a small percentage of that. Yeah. There it is. Your tough takes. If you have any tough takes, send them to me and Nick at CompuBox. And uh, use the hashtag tough takes. All right. That's a wrap for another edition of Inside Boxing Live. Uh, i got to thank our guests, Kevin Ioli of uh, Yahoo Sports and the great Bob Arum. Uh, still can't believe that interview. That was so much fun. I wanted to talk to Bob Aram for a very long time. Uh, we got that done. We got a lot more coming uh, on the way here. Of course, you can go check us out on iTunes. Uh, don't forget to leave a rating and a review, a five-star review. That's how we keep the lights on here. That's how we keep bringing more moments uh, like we witnessed uh, on this past episode. Uh, special thanks to our uh, producer here behind the glass, Nick Canobio. Thank you very much. Uh, what to watch for this weekend? Vasil Lomachenko, Jorge Linares on ESPN, followed by some HBO boxing, uh, Saddam Ali and Jaime Mungia. So uh, a lot to get to this weekend. Uh, stay safe out there and always uh, keep it locked here on Inside Boxing Live. We'll see you next week. Cinco de Maya, forever.